Well, we're in the book of Nehemiah, for those who want to flip there with me, or turn there with me, or scroll there with me, or Google it, whatever you need to do to get to Nehemiah chapter 9, that's where we're going to land here today, and I want to invite you to turn there with me, because I think there's so much power in, in reading the word together, amen, in, in visiting God's word, and allowing him to speak, and asking him to move, uh, that's what we're doing here today. And so we're in Nehemiah chapter 9, that's where we've been starting last week, and we've been journeying through this book in the Bible for the past, a little over a year now. And here we are in, in chapter 9. If you need a Bible, just go ahead and raise your hand. We'd love to walk you one directly right now. Amen. Well, if you're ready, say ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Let's eat. Father, right now as we get ready to eat from your word, we ask you to bless it. Uh, speak to us through your word. For those online, for those in the room, Lord, this is a holy moment right now. I pray that Jesus, somebody would, somebody would hear this and be changed. God, I pray that we would hear this message and not let it fall on deaf ears, not let it fall on hard hearts but that the word of God would activate the people of God for the glory of God and that we would be true to our name today. We would walk it out. We want to walk church. Lord, we, we pray that you would do that. So Holy Spirit, bring the word to life to us today and help us to, to go deeper into a deep topic and to even get out of the lazy river in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're picking it back up right where we last left off. And last Sunday, we dove into the book, and I gave some context about where we came from. So the book of Nehemiah is, is really powerful, but it's even more powerful when you understand the context. Right? The original context is brokenness. The city of Jerusalem has been broken. People have been exiled. And had to move out. Imagine if you had to leave your hometown of Las Vegas and get exiled into a foreign city that you were unaware of. You had to work for different places and, and people that compromised your convictions and all types of weird stuff was happening in the government and, and you're praying and asking God for, for help and you're praying for leaders and then God raises up this man Nehemiah and he goes back to his hometown and he has a God dream to build this wall, to build this new city, to build this house. And he begins to, by faith, build a team. Because, come on, Christianity is not a solo sport, amen? We need each other. In fact, tell the person next to you, say, I need you. Come on, the other person on the other side too, say, I need you. It might feel a little bit weird, but Christianity is sometimes weird. I said that. Especially to our flesh. Because we live in such an individualistic society, don't we? We're so, we live in the Amazon generation. I don't want to leave my house. You bring it to me. <laughs> right? So to actually tell somebody I need you requires humility. But that's a good thing. And that's what happens in the book of Nehemiah. There's a lot of humility on display. And they work together. They build this wall. God begins to move. The people start to come back. The Lord's moving in the leadership. And what Nehemiah does is he says, we have to start off right. What does he mean by that? He says, we have to start with God. We have to put God into the center. 
And even today, I would minister that word to somebody. Put God in the center. Put God in the center of your marriage. Put God in the center of your singleness. Put God in the center of your home. Amen? Put God in the center of your school. Put God in the center of your wallet. Can I get an amen? Nobody amen. (laughs) Put God in the center of your heart. We just sang that song. If you want my heart, you got it. That's saying God puts you in the center. You have to, you get the controls. You get the remote. You get the keys. It's not me. I'm I'm not the co-passenger. I'm not going to be the backseat driver. God, I trust you with my life. That's what Nehemiah is saying. We need to do that. And last week, I I preached a message that I titled, Get Out of the Lazy River. And I was talking about getting out of the lazy river because my family just had a vacation. And my son, Epaph, who's seven, he he fell in love with the lazy river. And I noticed we were just staying in there a long time. And he was missing some of the other beauties of the water park. And I think that could, if we're not careful, that could be the case with us as believers in Christ. That we can get into the lazy river of Christianity and just know what to do, what to say. In fact, let me challenge you because if, if, you're, if this is your first time at Walk Church, just put your seatbelt on a little bit because you're going to get prepared for a challenge. We do that sometimes um, and we do it in a good way. I pray that you're encouraged by the challenge, but let me just ask you this. If today, August 14th, 2022, if you can look back at August 14th, 2021 and you're no further along in your walk with Jesus... You've been in the lazy river. If you can look back at 2021 August and you look today and you're like, you know what? I think I'm worse. You've been in the crazy river. No, I'm just playing. You've been in the lazy river. And I'm telling you, there's some individuals here in this room that I would, would probably say, you know what? I used to read my Bible back then more. I actually used to go to prayer night more then. In fact, I was actually plugged in more. I was serving back then. I've been chilling. You might say, you know what? A couple years ago, I had a dream to plant a church. I had a dream to write a book. I had had a dream. I had a sermon to preach. And then I got in the lazy river. And I've just been chilling. And and can I just say, chilling is not a bad thing. It just can't be everything. (laughs) God is saying, in fact, take one day out of your week and make sure you chill, rest, Sabbath, Shabbat, do it. And that's going to fill you to get back in the game. And so I just want to encourage us over the next few weeks, we're talking about how to, how to get out of the lazy river. And we're talking about tough stuff. Somebody say tough stuff. Are you guys okay with the tough stuff? A few of y'all are, this side was solid. Are you guys cool with the tough stuff? All right, we're talking about tough stuff. I, I came back from my vacation, and I just thought, you know what? I just really don't want to play church. I want to experience movement. I want to, I want to dive into a little bit deeper, and I want to do it with my family. So let's do it together, amen? Yes. Let's do it together. Here we go. <clears throat> Nehemiah chapter 9. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting And in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. We talked about that last week. We talked about how this could require humility. I mean, just this verse alone, right? Fasting. We're getting ready for 21 days of prayer and fasting coming up. Um, Sackcloth, right, is where you put the cloth that makes up a sack. It's not 
comfortable. It's actually itchy, scratchy, and burdensome. To put that on is a demonstration of humility. It's saying, I'm not doing great. I'm actually broken over my sin. Earth on your, on your heads, that's... It, to put oil on your head would de, to demonstrate gladness. To put earth and dust and dirt on your head demonstrates I'm just part of the ground. I, I need you, God. It's the lowest level, the earth, right? I was talking to Pastor Stacy. He said, one way to get earth on your head is put your head on the earth <laughs> and get into a posture of prayer, right? Earth on your And the Israelites separated themselves. Last week we talked about one way to get out of the lazy river is to detach yourself, separate yourself. If you're hanging around with a bunch of lazy people, you're going to probably be lazy. But we're, ta- we're talking about getting out from all the foreigners and stood and confessed their sins. So let's go and jump in here today and, and confess their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. As I was reading these couple verses, I'm looking at some of the different action steps of the people of God and how they got out of the lazy river on how they put God at the center. We talked about fasting. We talked about prayer. We talked about humbling yourself. We talked about separating yourself. And then we move into this word. And they confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And if you jump down to this next verse here, it says, and then again, for another quarter of the day, they made confession. Somebody say, that's a long time. That's a lot of things to confess. I want to preach a message to you today that's not going to be a popular message, but I'm going to go for it because we got to get out of the lazy river. The title of my message today is simply this, make it known. Make it known. Somebody say it with me, make it known. Even through a shuddering, make it known. Make it known. Let me give you the definition for the word confess. On two different moments here in Nehemiah chapter 9, he highlights the word confess. The word confess is a word that's a verb. Webster's Dictionary defines confess as to tell or make known. That's where my title came from. What does it mean to confess? It means I'm going to make something known. Something such as something wrong or damaging to oneself. To declare faith in. Confess your faith in Christ. To, de- to give evidence of, I-, I believe that God is real and he is good. Today we're talking about the bold subject of confession. Dang, not even a simple like, amen. Not even like a, whoa. And it's such a good topic. I want to try to redeem this idea of con- confess your sins. If I can put that up on the screen, these are the the four bullet points so far. Ways to get out of the lazy river. Well, biblical fasting is is one of them. We're going to get ready to do that here at the end of the month. Humbling yourself always is a wise choice. Why? Because God opposes the proud. Can I just tell you today, my greatest wisdom would not to be on the opposing side of God. You won't win. Join his team. That's a good bet. Double down on God. You can actually read the end of the book and find out who wins. 
It's always Christ. Even in the last round, he's still rising up from the grave. You name it, he overcame it, right? That, that is our Savior. Biblical fasting, humbling yourself, separating yourself. And this one right here, this, this one is very underrated, but it's very powerful. Confess your sin. I want to talk to you about uh, confession because confession really has so much power in it. The topic of making it known can change your life. I know for me, along my journey of being a believer and follower of Jesus, one of the things that has been life-transforming for me has been confession. And specifically in the area of sin. And specifically in the area of Christ. Because what we confess matters, amen? What comes out of our mouth matters. Let me put a proverb up on the screen for you. There's a proverb that says, that, that the words we speak have power. In fact, the, the word actually says it like this. Death, come on, can you read it with me? Ready? Go. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Did you catch it? Woo! Our words matter. What we confess matters. So you can speak death or you can speak life. Maybe you've heard me say this before. Let me say it again. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will kill somebody. Words can raise somebody. Words can lift somebody. Especially if your love language is words. Like my wife, one of her love, top love languages is words. So I might show up with a beautiful gift, and she's like, that's cool, but I wanted to hear something. I wanted to hear a word of affirmation. I wanted to hear a word of understanding. I wanted to hear a confession in a way that brings life and love. And I think that human beings are all, in a way, like that. And I really believe God is like that. I mean, how powerful is confession? Well, confession can lead to salvation. Maybe you remember these words out of the book of Romans chapter 10. Paul's writing to the, the Roman church, and Paul is stating to the Romans how they could be Saved. I mean, today, if you're not a Christian in the room, let me give you the, the, the recipe on how to become a believer. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, he says, If you confess, come on, say confess. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, say it with me, you will be saved. Praise God. I mean, confession is so powerful. Wouldn't it be burdensome and cumbersome if it said, if you go to Jerusalem and enter into the temple and spend seven days fasting and put a bunch of bulls and goats and offer them, then maybe one day you could be The power of confession whew, holds a lot. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. To speak it is life. To say, yes, I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And can I just say this word Lord right here does not have any competition. There is no other sub-lords. It's like, well, Jesus is Lord and, you know, so is fill in the blank. Negative. Either Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And today... Jesus reigns supreme as the capital L-O-R-D. You just have to make the decision, is he the Lord of your life? Yeah. 
Have you come to the place of humility to say, I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart that Jesus is Lord. He's not only Lord over my life, he's Lord over the grave. He conquered death. Confession is powerful. Jesus is Lord. This is something you need to do today. But can I just say this is something you will do in eternity. Let me remind you of the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 2. As Paul exhorts and instructs the believers in the Philippian church. And and he gives them what this looks like in their life. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is saying, at the name of Jesus. Somebody say every. Every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth, and I don't even fully know what this means, under the earth, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That means that people in heaven will be confessing that. People on earth will be confessing that. People who are under the earth, people who denied that Jesus was Lord on the time that they were given here on earth, will one day stand before Jesus and be forced to bow. I once heard it put that either they will bow on their own accord or their kneecaps will shatter at the Lordship of Christ and will come to the realization there that he is who he says he has been all along. And what a God, what a Lord that he would want to love us. And want to know us that every tongue should confess. In other words, make it known. Somebody say, make it known. known. Today we're talking about the power of confession. The power of making it known. Because there's power in the tongue. The life and the death are in this little tongue. And I don't want us to, to miss it. Amen? Let me give you three points today that we can... We can talk through, and this is, again, in the context of how to get out of the lazy river. First point, put it up here on the screen for my note takers in the room, is this. Confess your sin. Make it known to God for forgiveness. Make it known. Take all of your sins and say, God, I'm bringing you my sins to be forgiven by you. Let me show you this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Keep this scripture close. Brother, sister, please memorize this verse. If you got it, say, I got it. Here we go. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Woo! Put that verse in your heart and close it and keep it there. If we confess our sins, can I just tell you today, church, that we have a Savior who is faithful, even when we're faithless, even when we blow it, even when we miss it, even when we sin. The word sin, by definition, is to miss the mark. But whose mark is it? It's God's mark. This is not just missing a target. This is missing the Holy One's target for your life. So when we sin, we, we miss it. But friend, we have a faithful and just Father, who will, who will look at you and upon your confession, just as if you've never sinned, forgiven. He forgives us our sins and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That's something to, to grab a hold of today and say, God, I'm going to make my sin known to you because you're a God who's faithful to forgive. Jesus Christ died for all sin. 
even yours. And you can go to him today. And you can take those things to him today. And I want to encourage you with this reminder. Doing so will be the best thing for you. Will be the best remedy for your sickness. Will be the best healing for your soul. Would be to take these things to him. And find a God who will say to you this. Whatever you confess, he won't love you less. Is that amazing? That, that God says, bring it to me. Humble yourself and, and confess. One of the great examples of that that I've found in Scripture is a cat named David. Now, David is known as a man after God's own heart. And David was deeply sinful, wasn't he? For those who know the Bible, right? That if you get a chance, read about King David in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. And he wrote a majority of the Psalms. You can see this cat named David had all types of trouble, but in Psalm 32, listen to these words. If you're ready, say ready. ready. We'll put them up here on the screen. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent... My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. Selah. In other words, let me just take a quick break. I acknowledged my sin to you. And I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Amen? Amen? Praise God. I just feel like clapping just reading that because this is our God we're talking about. This is the faithful Father that we're singing to, believing in, praying to, trusting with our sins. Saying, Lord, I'm deeply sinful. I've missed it. I've blown it. But I can give it to you and you can take it off of me because you died for me. You rose for me. All of our sin was taken into the grave. We, we've put our faith in Jesus. We've confessed our faith in him and we're healed and saved in that moment. Forgiven in that moment. And so today, I just want to exhort you today and challenge you, especially if you're a first time guest here. Don't stay a guest. Become a part of this family and become a part of the family of God. Today, I want to give you this word. Take your sins to him. Look, you might see people here down at the altar. It's people, people taking their sins to him. And, and can I tell you, doesn't that sound good? David said, when I kept silent and I kept it in, and I didn't confess my sins to God, his hand was heavy upon me. And I just want to tell you here today, if God has his heavy hand upon you, praise God. I don't know if you ever played sports, but growing up, I used to always hear coaches say, it's when I don't say anything to you that you're in trouble. It's when I stop having my hand upon you. It's when God says, you know what? I'm going to go let you sin. That's not a good place to be. It's when God puts all the blocks and signs and, and escapes and his hand is upon you saying, I got something better for you. Trust me. I've already seen tomorrow. This sin doesn't help you. And God in his grace puts his heavy hand upon us. God in his grace wakes us up at 3 a.m. 
God in his grace doesn't let you worship like you know you want to worship. God in his grace brings it back up when you thought he forgot. And God says, confess it to me so you can be forgiven. So that you can be, not, maybe today you'd say, well, I, I have confessed my sin and I am forgiven. Yeah, but then you can be free. And in humility, God wants you to come back to him as a father and say, say, say God, I, I need you. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you're my savior. Forgive me of my sins. And we have a God who said on the cross, it is finished. It's not like if you sin again, Jesus has to die again. Amen? Isn't that good news? It, he says, it is finished. You can go to him today and find victory, freedom, and healing. Let me give you the, the second point. Second point of this sermon, make it known, getting out of the lazy river is simply this. Make it known to a, now I put in the parentheses, okay? Don't miss the parentheses. Somebody talk back to me, say, I won't miss it. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure you won't miss it. Make it known to a, say this word, trustworthy, Christian, prayerful friend. Now, I'm, I'm going to put it like this. If they don't meet those four qualifications... Consider finding somebody else. You heard it from me first. Go ahead and vet your confession of sin partner. Make it known to a trustworthy Christian prayerful friend for healing. Let me be, be careful. We don't make it known to a person for forgiveness. Why? That happens with God. Let, let me be crystal clear. We are not promoting Catholicism here, which says I need to confess my sin to another sinful human being for forgiveness. In fact, let me give you a verse because I want to qualify whatever I say with a chapter and a verse. It, it says in the book of, of 1 Timothy that there's one mediator. There's one God. And there's one mediator between God and men. That's the man, Christ Jesus. So, so we don't bring our sins to another person for mediation. We bring our sins to the man, Christ Jesus. He mediates and reconciles, doesn't he? As Billy Graham once said, when Jesus was on the cross, he grabbed my hand and God's hand, the Father's hand, brought us together. Jesus, only Christ can do that. So I want to be clear, I want to be careful that we don't get on the other side of a booth and say, okay, I'm a sinner, can you now grant me forgiveness? That happens between you and God through Christ alone. We've been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, so that no person can boast and say you saved yourself. That you wouldn't walk out of the room today and say, you know, I, I saved myself. I put my faith in Jesus. Even faith alone is a gift from him that we can grab a hold of today and operate in. And so now jumping into the point, confess your sin to a faithful, trustworthy, Christian friend for healing. Why do I say that? The wording is very careful, and again, I want to qualify it with Scripture. Hopefully, you're staying up here with me because we're getting out of the lazy river. Amen? Yeah. 
We're going, we're working, we're working something here. We're in practice right now. We're getting better today, amen? Let me show you James 5.16. James 5.16 is one of my least favorite verses in the Bible. I'm grateful to share it with you here today. Therefore, confess your sins. Do you see the S? That means it might be multiple things. This is heavy stuff. Confess your sins to one another. That's like this. Hey, Manu, you go, and then I'll go. And then you go, and then I'll go. What if we did that? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Doesn't say forgiven. It doesn't say saved. But it does say healed. The prayer of a righteous person, oh, has great power as it's working. Why should you not just go to anybody? Because everybody's not righteous. Not only that, everybody's not prayerful. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Look, if you confess your sin to the wrong person, they might not pray for you. They might gossip about you. They might tweet, post about you. That doesn't lead to healing. That leads to hurting. But find somebody who's prayerful. Find somebody who's righteous. Find somebody who's real. And say, you know what? Can I, can I talk with you? Can we develop a, a friendship? Can we develop a one anothering where I can make it known? I, where I can just take a moment to make it known. Now, you would say today, I think you would say, or let me just go and speak for me. I will say today, this is uncomfortable. Can I get an amen from anybody? Amen. This, this stuff is uncomfortable. I haven't heard many sermons like this in my journey as a believer. This is uncomfortable, but I want to give you a reality statement here today that may help you in the context of uncomfortable. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. This, this statement is something that I wrote out while preparing for this sermon, and, and the idea of it is this. We as believers need to get, we need, we need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Just catch that for a second. Those who follow Jesus for any significant amount of time must get comfortable getting uncomfortable. Or else you'll stay in a lazy river. Your call. But I just know that this church has got some power in the room. It's going to require some uncomfortability. Now, I'm aware not everybody's going to take the step. But if just a few people take the step, it's going to unleash healing. It's going to unlock power. Those who follow Jesus for any significant amount of time, hear me on this, must get comfortable getting uncomfortable. Is everybody still with me? We, we have to get comfortable having Jesus say, you step out of the boat. We have to get comfortable with Jesus saying, okay, we're going to show up at a cemetery today and meet a guy that's demon-possessed. Are y'all ready? And the disciples go, what? You got to get comfortable with Jesus saying, we're going to go through Samaria, not around it. And the disciples go, we don't, we don't go that way. And then Jesus sees a woman sitting at a well, and Jesus goes, let's go talk to her. And the disciples go, we don't talk to her. 
And Jesus goes, y'all go, go to lunch. Bring some food back. We don't eat here. Jesus goes, you got to get comfortable getting uncomfortable. Jesus goes, you see that hill? I'm going there. That's where people go to be crucified, Jesus. Jesus goes, are you coming with me? If anybody would follow me, they must first deny themselves. T Can I tell you the most uncomfortable message that I could preach to you today is this self-denial. We live in a culture where it's all about self and self-gratification. Be yourself. Love yourself. You never hear deny yourself. But isn't that the core message of Christ? Jesus starts to have a bunch of people follow him. Jesus says, time out, er, blow horn. Wait, 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 wait. Luke 9, 23. If you want to follow me, you must first deny yourself. Y-O, self. Deny yourself. And I'm curious how many people were like, hey, yo, Mike, let's leave. Let's go. I'm not interested in that. Come on. Yeah, this is a rough time to go to the bathroom. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dang it. I'm just trying to go to the bathroom. Deny yourself. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. They're right there. There's soap in everything. Those who follow Jesus for any... Those who sit in this sermon for any significant amount of time must get comfortable getting uncomfortable. One of the most uncomfortable things to do in Christianity is to get alongside another brother. I think I, I, I suggest gender-specific confession. Men, find another man who is prayerful, who loves the Lord, and who loves you. Like, don't find the person who hates you. Like, find the person who loves you and genuinely cares for you and will actually pray for you. And say, I got to make some things known. Not, you couldn't forgive me if you tried. Not the way God forgives me. But, but, but you could pray for me and, and God tells me I could experience healing in, heart, in my heart. I could experience healing. In fact, I could prosper. Some of the reason why some of you are not prospering is because you're not confessing. I'm not talking about between you and God in heaven. Oh, your, your ticket is punched. You're on your way to heaven, but maybe you're on your way there miserable. Maybe you're on your way there with crutches because you couldn't confess something to a brother to experience healing. Let me show you this proverb. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Okay, if you're ready, if you're ready read this off the screen with me. Ready? Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. Oh! Man, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. I once heard it put like this. The things you conceal will not be healed. That, that God doesn't heal what we don't reveal. Is there anything that you need to bring to the light in front of a brother or a sister for the purpose of prospering, healing, getting better, getting out of the lazy river. Can I just say, your sin and your comfort go hand in hand, will keep you in the lazy river. Like high school students in the room, middle school students, you will go through all four years of high school and you'll be the same at the end of it unless you get out. 
unless you live some of these biblical principles out. Pastor Mike, when did King Josiah become king? Eight years old. Start living it. 412 are talking about wisdom, talking about Jesus, talking about how to live this as a youngster. And don't we need it, amen? Foundation matters. Healing matters. Oh, if we can't talk about it in the church, where are we going to talk about it? We're not. And, and, and therefore, we don't prosper. And one of our core values here at Walk Church, one of our core values is authentic community. When Nina and I set out to plant Walk Church, we wanted to plant a church that was founded on authenticity. So it feels a little rugged and rigid. We are not the most polished church, praise God. Authenticity will leave you feeling a little uncomfortable. Can I get an amen? But on the journey of following Jesus, what if we got more comfortable being uncomfortable? What if it was... Let me put it like this. I was once in a Christian setting. I was in a setting. I was in a room. And somebody said, does anybody want to share anything? And I said, yeah, you know what? I'm struggling with this sin. I'm just struggling with this sin. You can pray for me on this. Several years ago. And everybody looked at me with... And here's what I thought. Can I tell you what I thought? I'll never do that again. I, I, I figured out the culture. We don't talk about stuff. In fact, the person then looked at me and said, all right, anything, anything else? Moving on? Like, whoa. We didn't, the, the context didn't know what to do with that. But I just want to tell you this. Let's get comfortable getting uncomfortable. Let the conversations be a little bit more candid. If you're not doing good, get comfortable saying I'm not doing good. And, and allow a person to say, oh, that was interesting. I thought everybody at church is doing good. Not always. Get, get comfortable getting uncomfortable. That's how you prosper. Because then you can actually get good. You can actually know the difference. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I'm one, I once was dead. Now I'm alive. The one who confesses and renounces. Sometimes, you know, hey, I want to confess this sin and I'm going to leave it behind. In fact, I'm going to leave it in the lazy river. And, and I'm going to leave it. It's just going to keep going around and around. Somebody else might pick it up, but I can't. <laughs> I got to get out. Somebody say, get out. get out. Somebody say, get out. And you know what's even better is when you bring somebody with you. That's healing. You, you can do that. You'll find mercy on the other side of your confession. Confess your sins to God. Confess your sins to one another. I remember I once was in a setting because I'm not lying to you when I tell you that these verses have changed my life. If, if you were to say, hey, Pastor Hyden, how'd you become the person that you are today? It's been a lot of confession. It's been a lot of prayer. It's been a lot of reading. Get comfortable using the phrase, I'm sorry. Even recently, in the past few months, somebody recently told me in our church, they said, hey, Hyden, you apologize a lot. Yeah. What do I got all the answers? No. Do I just, I'm, I'm, I'm walking too, amen? I go to walk church too. Did you know that? One of my favorite moments at the youth camp, one of our students said, what church do you go to? I said, I go to Walk Church. What church do you go to? He said, I go to Walk Church on Thursday night. I, I loved it. It's part of our youth ministry. Getting better. Going deeper. 
Right? We're, go- we're going some. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. And then the stuff that was once uncomfortable, no longer uncomfortable. It starts to become who you are. Christ in you lives through you. Can I just tell you this? Let me submit this to you. Jesus Christ living his life through you, that's going to go at war with the flesh. It's going to be uncomfortable when Jesus says, here's what I want to do today. And you have to say, well, I submit to you as my Lord. And Jesus says, that's the best thing for you. Now let's go change the world. Or you can say, Jesus, I'm leading this thing. You just follow me. Who's following who? Confession is, is, is powerful. Find somebody. That, that's the homework this week. The homework this week is to find somebody. Can I, can I see the points one more time just so you can see the words, the, the, the descriptors? Find somebody who's trustworthy. They're worthy of your trust. Find somebody who's a Christian, okay? You want to know that they're a believer in Jesus? Find somebody who's prayerful. Because the verse doesn't work if we don't pray. I'll tell you this. I recently had a a, a moment with my wife, Nina. And I just said, I want to live out James 5.16. Confess. Prayer. Healing. Move on. Move forward. You can do that. You can live that. Married couples in the room, hear me. Practice this stuff. What if you made this person your spouse? Some of you are thinking, that ain't going to lead to healing. (laughs) I'm telling you, long term it will catch you. Commit. Because James 5.16, one more time, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into this moment for a moment. I'm leaning in. I'm excited because we had the most amount of people ever show up to our prayer meeting on Wednesday night. I made the ask. I preached on it. And people showed up, and I pray you show up again. So I'm trying to use that again. I'm praying we have the most amount of people this week meeting up with other brothers and sisters who are faithful, trustworthy, and Christian, prayerful believers for the purpose, for the purpose of not just saying, how you doing? Did you see the game? Are you excited? But to say, I'm, I'm meeting with you because I need healing in my life, and I need you to help unlock the healing in my life. I'm going to confess some things to you. It might surprise you. You might think less of me, but don't think less of me. God doesn't think less of me. Think more of me because I was actually real with you. The, the, the fake person says, I can't confess. The real person says, I'm going to because that's authentic community. Whether it's lust or whether it's pridefulness or whether it's anger or, or, or look at all the different deep sinful lists in the Bible. Pick one of them that you struggle with because you probably struggle with multiple. Because we're real sinful human beings who've been saved by the blood of Jesus and we're unlocking healing. The prayer of the righteous person has great power. There's power in those moments that you may be healed. That you, that you may be healed. Let me give you a quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon. C.H. Spurgeon was somebody who preached about confession, the power of confession, and how confession actually leads to our good. Listen to this. If you're ready, say ready. 
It does not spoil your happiness to confess your sin. Did you catch that? The unhappiness is in not making the confession. Somebody gave me a so true on that. Because they, they, you know what I'm talking about. It does not spoil your happiness to confess your sin. God's hand was heavy upon me. Oh, it felt so good when it felt light. Can you trust God even with the confession? To even round up a brother or a sister and say, I need to confess something to you. That doesn't spoil your happiness. That actually leads to happiness. It leads to a weight off of your shoulder. And, and what that does, can I just say this? It invites, I'm not saying everybody. I'm saying somebody. One, it invites somebody to check in with you and say, hey, how you doing in that area? Are you winning the battle? Are you walking in victory? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? Come on, somebody needs a 2 a.m. friend. Amen? Somebody who you can reach out to at 2 a.m. and say, hey, I'm sending you this emoji. It's just a red alarm. You know what it means when I send you that alarm. Go into war for me right now. I'm struggling. I'm tempted to go eat that food again, and I know I need to let it go. I'm tempted to go search something, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to block. I'm not going to do it. I'm tempted to get in my car and go somewhere, and I know I shouldn't go there. I'm tempted to scroll, but I know that's not going to help me. It's going to numb me. Am I talking about real stuff? Right? I, I really want you to operate in the healing, because here's what I've realized. Oh, healed people heal people. Hurt people, hurt people, right? Free people, free people. Oh, friend, I, I want to encourage you. Take a step. Take a step this week. Take a step this month. Do something that requires uncomfortability and hear Haydn's voice in the background say, get comfortable being uncomfortable like the disciples that followed Jesus were. This will, this will change your life. St. Augustine of Hippo, the great author and, and writer of his own confessions, once said it like this. Augustine said, the confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. Oh man, this is going to help you. The confession of evil works, it's saying, God, I'm a sinner. Or it's going to some, somebody saying, you know what? Like I've confessed everything to God, I'm forgiven but I'm not healed. I need to experience the healing with somebody. I remember one time I, I, I pulled a brother aside and I said, you know what? Remember, this was like a decade ago. I, I was in a church service and I, and I had said something negative about this person. I went and found that person in the church service. We were in like a worship night celebration thing. I said, hey, I need to confess something to you. I wasn't very kind to you behind your back. And I want to confess that to you. Would you forgive me for that? I'm not going to do that again. And you know what the person said to me? I wasn't very kind to you behind your back either. I was like, well, dang. I didn't know all that. <laughs> and you know what we did? We did one of those bro handshakes and prayer moments. And we like sang the worship song together at this conference we were at. And it, and it unlocked healing in me. I came back to my row. They were like, what's up with you? Why are you all, ha- why are you all feeling good? And I was like, you different. Said, man, I just had to unlock some healing in my life. I had to take care of something over at this other row. Don't worry about it. 
<laughs> get comfortable getting uncomfortable. I'm moving to the last point here. Um, as we look at Nehemiah chapter 9, I want to I talk about how this last point is helpful. You guys good on these two? Makes, makes sense to the most part? We'll see if you do it. Make it known to your soul in worship. Make it known to your soul in worship. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. I want to give you one more reality statement. Here's the reality statement. Here's the reality statement. Let me put it up on the screen. Find comfort in knowing that the sin you confess has already been paid for. So, so find comfort. Somebody felt led to clap with me on that. I really believe here's the gospel in the, the sermon on confession. The gospel, the good news is found in the reality that the sin you confess is already paid in full. Like, if you confess it, God's already died for it. He's already paid for it. The blood has already been shed. That's what the author of Hebrews means in chapter 9 when he says the blood speaks a greater word even than your confession. We, we speak of sin that's already been paid for. So you can find comfort in worship. Like, like notice in Nehemiah 9 as we close, here's what the text says. We're, we'll re-look at it in verses 1 through, through 5. It says, it says, And they stood up in their place, and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. So let how long's a quarter of the day? Everybody's counting. Six hours? Now, in a, in a Hebrew day, in this culture, it would have been about three hours. Contextually, right, Pastor Mike? Twelve-hour days. So for about three hours, they stood up. That's a long time to stand. And they read from the Bible, the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. They read of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of the day, they made confession. They worshiped the Lord their God. If you read the rest of chapter 9, oh, good opportunity to come next week. Woo, come next week. You'll see what some of these confessions look like. And for three hours they did this, but, but what followed it? They... For another quarter of the day, they made confession and they grieved. For, for they made confession and they worshiped the Lord their God. The reason why you can hear a sermon like this and at one moment feel so burdened and frustrated because you might need to talk to somebody about the sin problem you have. Praise God. You can at the very same moment get up and worship the same God because it's already been paid for. It's, it's, God already knows. You're saying, hey, look, the, the sin that's been paid for, the sin that God's forgiven me of and loves me and, and, and changed me of, blessed be your name, oh God. I'm, I'm going to tell somebody about it. I'm going to unlock healing in my life. And I'm going to prosper. And, and prayerfully, somebody else will prosper too. Can I tell you, humility is contagious? Oh, someone didn't hear me. Humility is contagious. Humility rubs off on somebody. Pridefulness is contagious too. You start acting prideful, other people act prideful. People puff their chest out. My chest is bigger than yours. 
That's nothing. But humility. Do you know the word humility? The root word for that is humiliate. Say, if I, if I, if I confess my sin, that's going to be humiliating. That's humility. In fact, in the original day, Jesus redeemed humility. Humility was a word that was frowned upon. To have humility was like a low thing. You don't want humility. That means you're... Jesus redeemed it. Jesus made the word humility a, a real good thing because he says God opposes the proud but looks to those with humility, gives grace to the, to the humble. We're about to sing a song. We're going to close in worship. And I just want to encourage you as we close to just process the words of this sermon. I know it's deep. I know it's heavy. Everything I preach to you, I preach to myself first. I'm going to live this out. I've been living this out. I want to encourage you, our ministry staff, our group leaders, our dream team, live this out. And we'll establish a culture of authenticity. Amen? And you can worship the Lord even through this. Notice the words of James chapter 4 as we close. James chapter 4, James says it like this. He says, he gives more grace. Who does? God does. He gives more. So look, you bring your sin, God brings his grace. You bring your sin, God brings, covers it with grace. It's like a grace sandwich. Like it's grace that you're breathing. Your sin covered in grace. Gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud. It's the picture of a stiff arm. God, God will tell you back up real quick if you try to approach him pridefully. Pride says, I don't need you, God. I can do it myself. Pride says, I don't need any of these other people. I'm good by myself. You're not. That's exactly where the devil wants you. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Ooh, there's nothing more powerful than a Christian who is submitted to God even to the point where they feel they could confess their sins. I found that the things that you can talk about, you're freed from. Things you can't talk about are still holding on to you. Get comfortable. Getting uncomfortable. Closing. If you can follow me on the slides, I just want to read Nehemiah 9, 1, all the way through 5, and then we'll respond in worship. It says, Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel and the people of Walk Church, my insert, were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth, and with earth on their heads, and the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they, they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession, worshiped the Lord their God. And the stairs of the Levites stood a whole bunch of amazing names. Verse 5. And they said, stand up and bless the Lord your God. Come on, would you stand with me? Would you stand up with me? Can we live this out for a moment? Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to ever. This is after the confession, right? Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. So the thing that's exalted above even your step of confession, the thing that's exalted, exalted above all sin and all shame, 
is the name of Jesus. And so we can sing blessed to, to his name today, for he loves us and he's with us. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for this time today. I thank you for this sermon. God, I feel comfortably uncomfortable right now because I'm amongst brothers and sisters and new friends and new people today who I believe want you. We want you, God. So, Lord, as we sing to you, God, I pray that we would sing with humility. I pray we would sing with faith. I pray we would take a step, maybe even today, maybe this week, with confession and forgiveness ready to be shared, healing ready to be activated. If there's anybody here in the room today that needs to confess you as Savior, I want to invite you to do that right now. Just say, Jesus, I believe, I confess, I'm a sinner. I confess you're my Savior. I receive you as Lord. I believe you died and rose, and I trust you today with all my sins, all my past, all my present, all my future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.